Welcome to the Urban Hope Podcast. Today's sermon is called God's Sovereignty Over the Mission of the Church from Acts 16 verses 35 through 40 from Pastor Alton Hardy. Um, So please stand and turn to the book of Acts 1100 in your pew Bible. You will need your pew Bible if you're not familiar with the scriptures today because I will be coming through a lot of scriptures. So make sure few short verses here. Acts 16, verses 35 to verse 40, as we continue to walk through the book of Acts. Here we go. But when it was day, the magistrates sent the police, saying, let those men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul, saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. Paul said to them, they have beaten us publicly, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? No. Let them come themselves and take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. And so they came and apologized to them and they took them out and asked them to leave the city. And so they went out of prison and they visited Lydia and when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. The grass withers and the flowers fade. You may be seated. Holy Spirit, bless me now. As we study and preach through the book of Acts, some of the sermons, themes, and titles that I come up with, some of them come with much easier than others. Like last week's sermon, when I said there is a time to worship and a time to trust in the Lord. We could easily see that Paul and Silas praying and singing hymns like Bree. I don't know if they were singing that song, but I I would probably, with my sanctification and imagination, I would probably guess that's what they were singing. Paul started, hmm, as well, Silas. Silas said, yeah, it's with my soul. We're good. (laughs) We're good in here. I believe that they were singing that. And so as we could see on last week, that just jumped off the page. Especially knowing that they were in prison, they were suffering from the beating that they had undergone from the orders of the magistrates. But sermon like today, they present challenges as we study the scriptures together trying to find and locate the theme or the reason that the Spirit of God would have Dr. Luke write down certain scenarios and events for us to have and to know about. I read and I read and I asked and I kept on asking the Holy Spirit throughout this whole week to bring to my feeble mind and my heart 
the meaning and reason why these scriptures were written down. Verses 35 to 40. Knowing that all scripture is inspired by God. And it is useful to teach us what is true. The scriptures are always teaching us something about God and his attributes, especially his sovereignty over all things. And finally, in the week, I had a breakthrough in this portion of scripture, which the Holy Spirit guided me to see what I believe this portion of scripture is teaching us this morning. And the first thing that I see that jumped out to me in the text after perusing over this, Lord, what, is, what are you trying to show me in the text? The thing that jumped out was that the magistrates, these Roman officials who had great power in the criminal justice system of Rome, like issuing bench warrants and search warrants and arrest warrants, they were like judges and rulers. They had a lot of authority and power. And we know from last week that they had given orders to the police earlier in the text to beat Paul and Silas with rods. And they had placed them in prison. But today in the text, we see these powerful officials. All of a sudden, they have a sudden change of heart and mind. Let's read it. They, it was day. This is all within one day. The magistrate sent the police saying, let those men go. What, what happened? You just beat them, put them in prison, but now they're saying, let them go. And then verse 36 says, and the jailer reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. The question you have to ask, and this is what I was like, man, what's in this text? But why? Why did they have a change of heart? Luke doesn't tell us. But maybe, maybe it was the earthquake that came out of nowhere. And how the chains had fallen off every prisoner. Maybe this brought some kind of divine fear or something to them. We don't know. Luke doesn't tell us. But what we do know, they had a change of heart. But what we do know, if you're over the age of 30, maybe you, if you're not over the age of 30, you probably wouldn't know this yet. But what we do know as human beings, that powerful Wicked men and rulers of this world in this age don't go about having a change of heart overnight. And what's my favorite word? By osmosis. That would just happen. He just biting, just wakes up one morning. And he just, ah, <laughs> epiphany. People. Hamas wakes up, ah, I love Israel today. <laughs> Things like that just don't happen in our world. 
And this is important for us to understand because I will continue to point out each and every time in the text as we go through the book of Acts where the scriptures portrays God's sovereignty at work. These men had a change of heart. I believe what we see here is why I named the sermon God's sovereignty over the mission of the church. So you would ask, Pastor, here again, you're using a big word. I haven't heard it before. What is God's sovereignty? Just going to be real quick. It is his control. You may not understand. You may not even believe it today. But even what's happening in Israel, God is not shaking in his boots. He doesn't wear boots, but I'm just saying that. I don't know what God wears. <laughs> the Bible says he's a spirit. But I can tell you this, he's not shaking in his boots. He's not nervous. He's not scared. Whoa, I didn't see that. He's, I can tell you that. He's not, he's not up in heaven. Whoa, I'm just, I'm just don't know what's going to happen. So sovereignty means it's his control over all things. Everything working out according to the counsel of his will. Ephesians 1.11. All things, everything working out to the, according to the counsel of his will. And so what we see here today in the text, all things working itself out to the counsel of his will. And if we can remember at the end of Acts chapter 15, there was a great separation between Barnabas and Paul. And how Paul had chosen Silas to be his new partner. But here in the text today, we are told by Dr. Luke, when these police come to Paul, that Paul and Silas, we find out that they are Roman citizens. Mm, by osmosis, which means they have rights and privileges under the Roman law, which Paul now exercises and leverages with lawyer precision. And I have to believe that the God who knows the future, that's why sometimes when you go to pray, say, God, you already know what's going to happen to me in 2025, where I will be, what decisions I will make, what job I'll be at what position I'll be in, how many children I will have, the good and the bad and the ugly. And so I just have to believe that the God who knows the future as well as the past had planned all along that Silas would be a better suited for the mission of the church abroad because he was, like Paul, a Roman citizen. Let's read the verses. But Paul, when they tried to get him to leave, now, you would think, man, you just beat me, and you're saying I can go in peace. Okay, you don't got to beat me no more. I'm out of here. <laughs> but Paul, he's like, said to them, they have beaten us publicly, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens. Paul says, him and Silas. And they have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? Paul would have none of it. No, <laughs> Paul says, let them come themselves <laughs> and take us out. 
this is just an amazing. And so you have these magistrates, these powerful ruling leaders, and the police trying to appease the missionaries who have been sent into Macedonia, Europe, by the king of the universe. Remember how they got there. Paul had a vision in the night. He was trying to go somewhere else. And the vision says, no, come over here. Well, who gave the vision? Jesus did, the king of the universe. And what we see here today, that these missionaries are in Philippi, and now these powerful rulers are trying to appease them, trying to get them out of town And that's in itself is an amazing story. The same people who had earlier in the story who had given orders to beat them with rods. But the word of God, Luke says, but now they are afraid. <laughs> Where did this fear come from all of a sudden? And now they're trying to get them to leave town in peace. I put here in my notes that God in his sovereignty, maybe he was he used the earthquake. I don't know. The scriptures don't tell us. But we know when they started singing, it is well with my soul, that there was a shaking in that prison. <laughs> and that all the bonds became unfastened. Or maybe it was because we see God using the earthquake and the Roman law and the rights of the legal system in order for the mission of the church to continue to go forward. We want you to see this. Earthquake, they sing some hymns, and now Paul says he just by so happened osmosisly to be Roman citizens, meaning they have all the rights as you do as an American citizen. And maybe they didn't know that they were Roman citizens. Maybe they found out, but whatever we know, they had a change of heart. He said, hey, man, can y'all leave the city? And we're afraid. We, we want to get rid of y'all. Maybe they, we don't know what's going on. Luke doesn't tell us. But what we know, we see the all-seeing, all-knowing hand of God at work in the earthquake as well as using the Roman law and the rights of the legal system in order for the mission of the church to go forward. I want you to turn with me in your Bible, your pew Bible, turn to the book of Revelation chapter 12. Um, and so I'm making my transition, chapter 12. Page uh, 1226, if you've got your pew Bible. While you're turning, I'm going to make a couple comments here. We've just witnessed, as most of you are Gen Zs and millennials, We've just witnessed as people here in America, in the West, and around the world, some are calling it one of the greatest horrors in the history of the world among the Jewish people. I don't want to say you can go on the internet. It's heartbreaking um, that what was done to babies, we got a lot of babies around here, even in the Holocaust, 
what transpired this week in our world, that didn't even happen in the Holocaust. We can see here, Christianity in the West is under attack, it has been, and Satan is turning up the heat. In fact, we got next week, Miles College in the building, we got one of the most filthiest, sinful, depraved rappers coming to Fairfield High School. Using that all the torn. Satan said, yeah, I'm coming in the deep south. And by the way, I got a person on the ballot that says he's a man by birth, but he says he's a woman. If he wins, he's already, I got phone calls. If he wins, he's going to flip up your educational system. And yes, it's happening in Birmingham in the deep south. This is not California. This is not New York. This is not Chicago. This is right here in Birmingham, Alabama. Where there's a church on every corner. And thousands of dollars are coming into his campaign because people all over the country say, yeah, this is our opportunity to get them football players and all that red state down there. We can get it. This is, this is the closest we've ever been. Back to Revelation 12. Here in this text, this is the end of the book. John writes this. I'm going to go through it real fast and you just walk with me because I want you to see this. It says, the woman, you see the woman and the dragon. He says, there was a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and with the moon on her feet and on her head was a crown of 12 stars. She was pregnant, crying out in birth pains in the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven, behold, a great red dragon. Seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads was seven diadems, and his tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth. Well, who is this woman? This is a promised seed in Genesis chapter 3 that God was going to bring his son through a virgin named Mary. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. We know that Herod sent all his men trying to kill the baby Jesus. Verse 5 says, she gave birth to a male child who is to rule all the nations, Psalms 2, with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and into his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1260 days. Verse 7, now there arose a war in heaven. Michael, the, his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down. Who is the great dragon? That ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan. What you saw this week, the 12 stars representing the 12 tribes of Israel that came to Abraham. You see the hatred that the dragon has for the people of God. Make no mistake about it. Satan doesn't like you, your children's children, or anything that looks like you as a Christian. 
what that dragon did this week was to show the world, I hate you and your God. He took innocent babies. This is the great dragon who's been called Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation, the power, and the kingdom of God and the authority of his Christ have come and the accuser of our brothers have been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they love not their lives unto death. Talking about the people of God, genuine believers, holding to the faith of God. Verse 12, therefore rejoice, O heavens, you who dwell in them, but woe to you, O earth, see, for the devil has come down to you with great wrath because he knows that his time is short. So yeah, Satan is turning it up. He knows that his days are numbered. So he's bringing all the deception out. Now we can't say a male is a male, a woman is a woman. It's changing so fast in the Western world. And most of us, like, what's happening? Satan is, he's, he's, he's enraged. He's got the colleges all the way down. Now he's coming in all the public education. He said, you're going to teach this to your children's children. Oh, he's real. Verse 13. And the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth. And he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child, Jesus. But the woman was given the two wings of great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and half a time. Verse 15, and the serpent poured water like river out of his mouth. This is referring to the great deception that the serpent is unleashing upon the world. False teachers, false disciples, false gospel messages, false churches. He's poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away like a flood. But here it is, verse 16. But the earth came to help of the woman God's providence, God's sovereignty. And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. And then the dragon became furious with the woman. And he went off to make war on the rest of her offspring. Some theologians believe this is referring to the Gentiles. He said, all right, the, the Jewish people, he said, well, now I'm going to go out to her offspring, the Gentiles. I'm going to get them. And on those who are sitting here today who keep the commandments of God and we hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sea of the land. You can see God's sovereignty, his power to protect his church. This dragon will not defeat her. He will not overcome her. We will hold to his commandments, and we will give testimony to Jesus for who he is. So I was praying and asking the Holy Spirit to help me see 
and understand the message behind the story of the magistrates and the police. So I said, okay, Lord, what's, 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 what are you trying to show me here? So I kept reading it over and over again. I, and I'm going to be honest with you. I said, well, no, you know, after two or three days, I said, man, I don't really see nothing here. I'm just going to go on to Acts 17. There's a whole lot there. That's where I want to get to anyway. So I'm like, I can just skip over this. They ain't going to ask. Nobody's going to ask a question. So, Pastor, why you skip five verses? You're not going to ask. You probably say, I don't really care anyway. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit's like, uh uh-huh. So I kept praying, asking. And I could hear the Spirit say gently in my right ear. That's where I hear the Spirit of God. It's kind of like very softly, very gentle. I could hear him say to me, he said, Alton, the magistrates, look at the text, and the police, they cannot stop my mission of the church. Yes, there will be tribulations. Yes, there will be distress. Yes, there will be persecutions. And yes, there will be famine and nakedness and dangers and sometimes death by the sword. But tell them, you, Peter, that on this rock, I will build my ecclesia. I will build my church. And the gates of hell and all that the dragon will bring against it, that it would not prevail over it. It would not conquer it. It will not defeat it. So yeah, you see the magistrates. You see the police. We see what they do to these missionaries in Philippi. But what we see here today, that even that, they couldn't stop the Lord. We don't know why they had a change of heart. I want to make the argument, I believe it was my all-sovereign, all-knowing God doing what he's always done, which is ruling and reigning and working everything out to the counsel of his goodwill. And God says, oh, you're not stopping my church. So let me change up your heart today. The word of Proverbs says that in the heart of the kings is the Lord, and he can wield it wherever he wants. God says, you're not stopping me today. They had a change of heart. That's why I had Chad read that in the repentance so we can understand. Oh, God, church will not be stopped. It will not be stopped. His mission for the church will always be prevailing. The gates of hell will not stop it. And then as I was, see what I saw in the text, I believe the Spirit wanted me to see, this is how I came up with the title, God's sovereignty over the mission of the church. It just jumped out at me so clearly at the end of the text. It says, these men who just beaten them, verse 39, so they came and they apologized. (laughs) What? The Bible says when our ways please the Lord, he will make even our enemies at peace with us. So here these men apologizing. Say, Paul, Silas, man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I gave the orders in the edict to beat you. 
will you please accept my apology? And I'm saying, God, I mean, who are you? You Just a day earlier, they're giving the edict to beat them, and now they're apologizing. They're saying, we're sorry. And you can see behind the text, God's sovereign will and plan. So you're not going to stop what I call to do. And so they apologized to them. And they took them out and asked them to leave the city. And then verse 40. And so they went out of the prison. And they visited Lydia, who was the first person they met. And who in the word of God said, and the Lord opened her heart to understand the things that Paul was saying. First convert in Philippi. So they go to Lydia. And when they had seen the brothers, the other brothers and sisters in the faith, the jailer, all of his family. Remember, he saved his old household. Maybe the slave girl who had the spirit of divination. We don't know. I don't want to say she's in here, but I just want to speculate that she was so they go to Lydia's house and look what the word of God says and they encourage them this house church in Philippi and they departed all right so this is why I said you're going to need your bible man I'm at 11 50 so let me hurry up um we see this is what the Lord just pulled me back he says just Stay with me, son. Don't get too fast and try to get ahead of me. I think this is important, what I'm about to say. So the Lord says, we see in Acts chapter 1 that the God who's sovereign over the missions of the church in all situations and circumstances, he gives the edict to go into all the world and all the nations, starting in Jerusalem and to the end of the world until he comes back. And I hadn't seen this before, so, because I'm, I'm trying to figure out, what is Luke putting these texts about the jailer? You know, not about the jailer, you know, becoming a Christian, but these magistrates and police apologizing. They're having a change of heart, and, and Paul goes to Leah's house, and he encourages them and the brothers there within the faith, this house, small house church in Philippi, which Paul writes back to in the book of Philippians. And so, What's going on? It's almost like, and, and then he departs, which we will see next week. He's over there now. He's going to Thessalonica, where the whole city is turned upside down with the gospel. But it's like the Lord says, you move too fast. Stay with me, Alton. Help the people see who I am, what I am, and what I do, that I'm sovereign over the mission of my church. It will not fail. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. It will not be stopped. And so the Lord just took me back in memory lane. So turn to page 1093 and 1094 to Acts chapter 11. No, actually, uh, page 1092. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. I'm going to go through this real fast. We've already gone through over this. I'm just going to make some excerpts. So we see that the church has been issued by Jesus. And the day of Pentecost comes. And the Spirit of God fell on all the people that was there. But here's what we see. That not even racism, not even prejudice can stop the mission of God as he has called the church to go forth in this broken world. And here in Acts chapter 10 verse 44, it says when Peter was still saying these things, talking to the Gentiles at Cornelius' house, 
The Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was being poured out even among the Gentiles. For they were hearing and speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked him to remain for some days. We know early on, racism and presence, the Jews didn't like the Gentiles. But they couldn't stop God for his mission in the church. Acts chapter 11, verse 27 to verse 30, which is page 1093 to 1094. Not even famines can stop God. Verse 27 says, Now in these days prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit there would be a great famine all over the world. There was going to be a food shortage. People was not going to have as much work. There was going to be a downturn. People was going to be lacking food. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples, so the disciples determined that everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. So not even a famine, not even a downturn in the economy could stop God from having the church be what God has called the church to be, which is a house of refuge. God said, I have all the money. It's my world. So whatever happens with the food market, God said, don't set your gaze on that. But he uses his people according to everyone's ability. And the church kept moving on. Next one. Acts 12, 20 to 24, page 1094. Look at this. Verse 20. Evil king, Herod, was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and they came to him with one accord, having persuaded Blastus, the king Chamberlain. They asked for peace because of their country depended on the king's country for food. But on an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and he delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, this is the voice of a God and not of a man. And immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give glory, give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. Look at this. But the word, kings and queens, they can come. One rises, one falls. But look at what the word of God. But the word of God, it increased and it was multiplied. Presidents, Trump, Biden, I don't care who you vote for, they come and go. But the church will not be stopped. Don't get your hope in the presidents. Don't set your hope in mayors, governors. Yes, vote is your right. But the word of God will not be stopped because of who's in that White House. Next page, Acts 12, Acts 13, 14 to 52. Page um, 1096. I'm hurrying up, hurry up, hurry up, Alton. Hurry up, hurry up. Come on. Work with me. Acts 13. 
God's sovereignty over the church mission. Well, here it says, verse 46 of Acts 13. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying it was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, talking to the Jews. Since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, and you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And then verse 48, and when the Gentiles, outsiders, throwaways, hated by the Jews, they heard this good message from the apostles. They began shouting. <laughs> they began hallelujah, Pentecostal. It was, oh my goodness. Oh my God. What? He's coming for us now? You can reject the gospel if you want to. But God says, I will raise up from these rocks men and women who will fear my name. And the Gentiles say, hallelujah, y'all don't want it? Well, give me that amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Give it to me if you don't want it. <laughs> the Bible says they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believe in the word of the Lord here again was spreading throughout the whole region. Nobody, not if you reject it, don't worry about if he or she rejects it. Just go to the next person. It will not be stopped. God's word will continue to go forth. And then the next one. Acts 14, 19 to 23, page 1097. Here we go. It says, verse 19, we know that they stoned Paul, dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. They thought they had killed him. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. On the next day, he went all the way with Barnabas to Derby. And when they preached the gospel to that city, and they had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconia and to Antioch. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. What's my point? I keep telling you this. Death is not in the hands of anyone but the one who sits high and looks low. God said, oh, no, you can't kill him today. Get around him. In the name of Jesus, Paul of Tarsus, the great apostle Paul, rise up. And Paul got up and preached the gospel and made many disciples and added elders and left the church and went on by his business. Death and life is in God's hands. Revelation 118, he has the keys of life and death. He holds it. So you don't want to worry about, well, I'm going to die if I do this, if I say this. No, that's not up to them. Now, there's a day God said, well, okay, it's your day to come home. It's your day to come be with me. But as you can see, it wasn't Paul's time. 
So God is sovereign over the day when we die. And then the last one here says, um, I want to go, the infiltration of the false gospel messages that cannot stop the mission of the church. We know in Acts 15, they had the first Jerusalem council, and we know that they all met together, and then they came to the judgment. And look at verse, um, verse 28. It says, they met, false gospels was arising, but what we, the Gentiles need to do this, they need to be circumcised, they need to be added on, because, but the Lord, even over that, he intervened, because we know in verse 12, when I preached on this, it says, when they were meeting together to discuss this matter, and it said, and the whole assembly fell silent. God, Yahweh, stepped in the room. Who are you playing with? I know you, and I know you. I know your stuff. I know what you deal with. And when God steps in the room, grace abounds. And the Bible says they all fell silent. And now they give the edict out. Don't add anything to the Gentiles. Don't trouble those Gentiles who turn to God. Verse 28, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on them no greater burden than these requirements, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from those things that have been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these things, you will do well. And they were sent off and they went back down to Antioch, having gathered the congregation. Here again, together they delivered the letter. Verse 31, and when they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement, the church will not be stopped. And then the last one, Acts 15, page 1099. And this is a tough one. Referring to Paul and Barnabas, they split. And I'm telling you, there will be church splits. People will separate. Elders will hate elders and break apart or start their own church. That's nothing new under the sun. But the word of God tells us when Paul and Barnabas split, but they said Paul chose Silas and he departed. And having been commended by his brothers to the grace of the Lord, here again, the word of God and the church mission would not be stopped. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. What happened to Barnabas? I don't know. He went back to Cyrus, and that's the end that we hear about him in the rest of the, the, the scriptures. But here's what I do know, that the church kept going forward, even after this great separation and church split. And so, Pastor Hardy, what does this mean for me sitting here in 2023? What does this mean for you to understand this God who's sovereign over all the mission of his church? What does it mean for you here today? Really at your heart level. Because let me say that because some of you are focused on the wrong things. You're focusing on careers. You're focusing on this or that. And I'm here to tell you why God and Luke keep saying at the end of all of these chapters, kings come, this happens, this and that, but at the end of the story, God's mission for the church keeps going. So what does that mean for you? We will come and go. Some will live longer than others. Some will get sick and die. This is called life on this side of heaven. This is a reality. So what does this mean? 
It means that you and I should be focused on the mission of the church that God has assigned to the church while you have breath in your lungs. No matter what's happening with the economy, don't stop sharing your faith because of the economy. Because there's a famine. Keep sharing your faith. Keep sharing the gospel news to your neighbor to the right, to your neighbor to the left. No matter what is happening around the world. Now I say this because I don't, I'm not, look, I don't know what's going to happen here with this thing with Israel. It could lead into a third world war. The Muslim nations are gathering. Russia is getting involved. China is getting involved. We know sooner or later there's going to be a World, a world War III. And there are nukes everywhere. And we know that all kinds of people have crossed the border. And they're just waiting for the orders. And yes, America has lost its righteous mind. We've turned our back on God. We care more about football than we care about Jesus and his righteousness. We don't speak. We don't evangelize. We're just as much as like the world. So maybe, as I said last week, maybe God is letting down the hedges. Maybe God's okay, you're going to throw your hand at me. I have blessed you as a country. I've given you more prosperity than any nation in the world. But now, you don't want me. You reject me in the school. You're turning over my institution called marriage. Oh, I know how to get your attention. And maybe in the days that are coming up, we may see some things that we've never seen before in our country. And even if that happens, here's what you should do. That's why I read all these scriptures. You continue to be faithful to the mission of the church. Whether you die or whether you live, whether the bombs go off, whether there's a lower in the economy, whether the interest rate go up to 39%, you continue to be committed to the mission of the church. So this is what Jesus says. You know why that's important? Because that's what Jesus is committed to. This is why I end here. Well, this is that is happening. I can't stop what's going on in Israel. I, can't, you know, I said, man, I can't worry about this stuff. I said, Lord, this stuff is crazy. You know, what's happening with Israel? And the Lord said, you shouldn't. Become a house of refuge. <laughs> Just be focused on what I'm telling you to do. What's going to happen with that? Ain't no one there going to stop it. You just stay focused on what I've called the church to be, no matter in the famine, hardships, or this or that. And you need to help my people to, to know that. And so I'm like I said, I don't know what's going to happen, but listen to me, young people. At the end of the day, we stay faithful to the mission of the church. Make disciples. I can't promise you that some Hamas terrorists who are inside of our borders may not have horrible intentions for all of us. I can't promise you that. What I can promise you, that Jesus, by his spirit, is saving, by his grace, all of his lost sheep that he knows by name for himself and for his glory. So with that being said, let's bow in prayer and ask the Lord to bless this preaching of this word. Thank you for listening to the Urban Hope Podcast. 
For more information about Urban Hope Community Church, please visit our website, www.urbanhopecc.com.